Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. Uh, there was a movie I wanted to watch one time, so I started it, but I didn't finish it because some problems came up, and I, I had to hit the pause button, and I was determined to finish it, but uh, I knew that I could just come back and resume where I left off and that I would finish what I'd started. So here in Haggai, Haggai 1 that we just went through, Israel had come back from a time of exile. The Babylonians took them off into exile, and they came back, but they had no king ruling over them. Now, God had promised them a covenant king would rule from David's line. We had been studying that for quite a while, about the Davidic covenant. But they had no king now that they're back in the land. Now, God promised they would have a king, but some problems came up. Israel got off into some disobedience and some sin, so God hit the pause button on the royal line, knowing that when it was time, he could just resume what he started. God told Israel, I want you to get to work on rebuilding the temple. That's from Haggai 1, because one day the king would come. So right now they're kind of in the pause mode. So he told them to get back to work rebuilding the temple. Now in Haggai 2 and 1, says, in the seventh month, on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory, and how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? Okay, time stamp again. This took place about a month after the people had started to rebuild the temple. So you can see the time frame that's moving along here. But progress was moving kind of slow. You know, it takes a lot to clean up 70 years of ruins. Imagine trying to clean up your own house after you haven't cleaned it up for a month. Okay, this is 70 years. <laughs> there's a lot of rubble. There's a lot of junk. There's probably overgrowth. There's a lot of things they got to clean up here. But they were starting to make comparisons with how their temple was turning out versus how it looked back in Solomon's day. They have the written record of how Solomon's temple looked, and they're starting to look, ours is not turning out like his. So the people had become unhappy about the rebuilding progress not being fast enough, or not being good enough, or it's not as big as what the Bible said it was in, in Solomon's time. Oh, well, we're not coming up with what they had. <laughs> you hear that? gosh, I wish my house was as nice as that guy's house down the road. So they were concerned it wasn't looking good enough. It was not looking like Solomon's temple was. So the Lord asked them a question. Who among you actually saw the temple in its former glory back over 70 years ago? And how do they see it now? He's trying to get somebody that probably was there. I think Haggai may have been there. 
and, and saw the temple in its former time before they were taken away. But almost all of the people in this day now, they were not around back then at all. 70 years prior, before the exile, nobody was there. You need somebody that saw it before and now make this comparison. What does it look like? The idea here was that the Lord was trying to get the people to stop comparing. Stop comparing over whose temple was better. You know, 70 years of plunder and ruin, all the gold and silver obviously was taken away. That's gone. That's not in there anymore. There was no chance that their temple was going to be better than the one in Solomon's day. They just didn't have the stuff that Solomon's temple had. I remember reading about Solomon's temple. So much gold, I couldn't believe it. You know, people had 70 years to strip that gold down to nothing. And they're, one, they're worried, oh, this ain't turning out as great. Well, it's not going to. Haggai 2 and 4. Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I covenanted with you. That's an interesting word right there. That's like promised, but super promise. According to the word that I covenanted with you, when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. The Lord is saying, I promised I'd be here. I didn't just promise. I covenanted. And I have a hard time saying that. I put covenant in that. I'm with you. Don't fear. It'll be okay. It's going to turn out all right. You ever get concerned about, oh my gosh, this is looking bad. What do we do? And the Lord has to say, I never, I'm dead and left you yet. It's going to be all right. Okay. You know. Calm down. Whew. Okay. <laughs> I got like that when I was running a marathon. There was a time when I ran a marathon, believe it or not. There was a time I could do it. I was younger, way younger. And I was running and I was thinking about giving up. It was getting hard. All these people are passing me. Oh my gosh, a girl passed me. I was upset. What's going on? There was a man off the side of the road. He had a water hose and he was spraying it in the street and he just kept spraying it. And if you wanted to, you could run through it if you needed to cool off or you could go around it. But he was going, come on, come on. And he pointed at me, goes, you can do it. I'm with you, man. And when he said that, it was like I went, dun, dun. And I was going and I ran and I finished it. And I passed up the girl that passed me, by the way. Anyway, but it's kind of nice when the Lord just says, guys, I'm here. Be strong. Work. I didn't leave don't have any fear. It just takes just that much of I'm here to make a huge difference. I still remember that old guy with that water hose. It's great. He said, keep up, keep working because he was with them. And he even used a centuries old covenant to prove to them his track record. You know, you'll follow somebody that's got a good track record. If I was a pastor for two months, quit, came back a year later, I'm pastor again, six months, nah, quit. Oh, I come back again on and off and on and off. Y'all wouldn't follow me. I wouldn't follow me either. But if you start developing a track record, you're always doing it. You're always here. The Lord says, look at this covenant I gave you. You know, you can trust him. He never, ever abandoned them ever. And so he said, I want to encourage you to keep going because I have not left you. That should work. Yes, the Lord has been with us. Haggai two and six. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while. I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations. And they shall come to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. 
the glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Don't worry about your temple ain't turning out like Solomon's. Don't, don't you worry about that. Don't be concerned about how the temple looks. Don't worry about all the gold and the silver that was long stolen away. It still belongs to me. It's still mine. They're like, well, we don't know where it went. God's like, that's all right. It's mine. I know where it's at. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's not your problem. You just do what I told you to do with what I gave you. Do what you can, Right. Because he said in the future, this temple is actually going to be better than it has ever been. It's going to be better. Don't compare right now. Don't compare with what Solomon had. That that ain't even going to cut it. It's going to be better. So apparently the Lord was telling them that he, not them, not by your work, but by the Lord's work, he was going to really amplify the temple way beyond their ability to build. It's going to be so great. You just don't even know. So, in other words, Gentile nations are one day going to bring their wealth. He said he's going to shake all the nations. Is America shaking? What's going to happen? He's going to shake the nations, and the Gentile nations are one day going to bring their wealth to Israel to adorn his throne on Mount Zion. That's the summary of what I'm about to get into. The Gentile nations are going to bring their wealth. Today, everybody right now is fighting over what? Money and riches and my gain. Every group is fighting the other group. No, we want what we want. But that's why the Lord has to shake the nations. Because nobody today would dare ever say, you know what? Let's load up all our wealth and take it to Israel. Nobody would ever say that. But the Lord's going to shake the nations. The day is coming when after the Lord shakes everything loose, then those who remain will know that their money is not their God and they will desire. That's what the shaking is going to produce. It's going to make them desire to bring it to Israel. That's why he called it the desire of all nations. Israel right now is not the desire of all nations. It is the burden of all nations. That's going to flip the other way. Give it time. The Lord said in a little while, to the Lord it's a little while, to us it might be years, but the Lord, it's gonna, this is about to happen. The desire of all nations. A day's coming, the nations are going to be shaken with such tribulation that at the end of it, they're all going to want to bring their wealth to adorn the throne of Jesus Christ. You won't get that today. No way. But in that day future, it's going to happen. Joel 3.16 says, The Lord also will roar from Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. The heavens and the earth will shake. There's that shaking. But the Lord will be a shelter for his people. Remember that. The Lord will be a shelter for his people and the strength of the children of Israel. Now, I know this shaking sounds scary. When we look at the, the things that are just starting to barely ripple right now, it scares you. I know. But it says his people will be sheltered. His people will be covered and protected. Now, when Messiah Jesus returns, this isn't the rapture. We're going to be out of here. But when we come back, when the Lord comes back, when he returns, this is a future that's even, it's even future for us. This divine judgment is going to come when the Lord shakes all the nations. It's going to be bad. You think this is bad. It's really going to be bad. Remember, you're sheltered though. I want to show you Hebrews 12, 25. says, See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. 
But now he has promised, saying, yet once more, I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Some things are going to shake off and some things will not. Verse 28, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. Guys, I invest everything I've got in the kingdom that cannot be shaken. I'm looking for the kingdom ahead. You can't shake that. That's the only thing that's going to survive what's coming. Those who have given their lives to Jesus are going to receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And that's why I push the gospel of Jesus so hard. If you're scared of everything that's shaken, then you need to invest more in the things that cannot be shaken, right? Those who still worship money, because I was there, they worship money for self-gain. You've got trouble coming. You should be scared. Now, after seven years of tribulation shaking, there will be a millennium kingdom, a thousand-year kingdom, where the temple will be adorned more splendidly by the wealth of the nations that it will even surpass that of Solomon's temple. All the nations are going to bring all their stuff, all their wealth, all their gold. He said, the gold and silver is mine. I know where it's at. Everybody that run off with it and, and it went out through the centuries, he's going to draw it all back in and it's going to go back to Israel. Israel is going to be more adorned than anything you've ever seen, but it's going to be greater. And so this part of Haggai's prediction has not yet been fulfilled. Now, Haggai said the nations will come after the shaking, but I want to show you where the Bible specifically says that the Gentiles will bring their wealth to the temple in Zion. Isaiah 60 and 1, it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. Speaking of Jerusalem, Mount Zion here. The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant, and your heart shall swell with joy, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. (laughs) You won't get that today. This has to come after a shaking. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you the desire of all nations. We're going to, the Gentiles are all going to be bringing all their wealth to adorn the temple, to adorn Jerusalem when the king, King Jesus reigns that thousand years. Can you imagine how that's going to look? There is no way this is going to happen today because today people think their wealth is theirs. They think it belongs to them. God said, the gold is mine and the silver is mine. It's not yours. It's not ours. It belongs to the Lord. Friends, your wealth is not yours. It was lended to you. It makes you a steward of it, not an owner. You are to use it to invest in the kingdom of God. Remember when he got onto the Israelites and Haggai 1, you're paneling your houses with stuff. That's not yours. 
And so once the Lord shakes all these nations, most will be, will fall off and be far away. They're going to fall off away. But those who belong to the kingdom that cannot be shaken, they're going to bring their wealth to serve God with reverence and godly fear. Now I want to show you what happens when all the nations come to fight against Israel. You know about that big, big fight that's coming and all the nations are going to come on against Israel from Zechariah 14, 14. It says, Judah also will fight at Jerusalem, and the wealth of all the surrounding nations shall be gathered together, gold, silver, and apparel in great abundance. Look at all that wealth. All these nations coming to take Israel down, and you know what their wealth is going to turn into? Plunder. It's going to turn into plunder. The ones that bring it, all they really did was brought their self over for destruction to hand their wealth right straight into Israel's hands. This is going to be what happens when it gets to this point. When they come to attack Israel, it's going to be plunder. And the ones that see Israel as the desire, Jesus as the desire of the nations, they're going to willingly, you're either willingly going to bring your wealth or you're going to have it taken out of your hands. Make your choice. And that's how the temple is going to be better than it ever has been. But right now in Haggai 2, the people are concerned. Well, our temple ain't turning out that great. God says, don't worry in just a little while. I'm going to do something that's going to make it greater than it's ever been. So don't you worry about that. (laughs) Good word. Haggai 2 and 10, where the people are defiled. It says, on the 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, now ask the priests concerning the law, saying, if one carries holy meat in the fold of his garment, and with the edge he touches bread or stew, wine or oil, or any food, will it become holy? Then the priest answered and said, no. And Haggai said, if one who is unclean because of a dead body touches any of these, will it be, will it be unclean? So the priest answered and said, it shall be unclean. So, okay, you've got these two months of rebuilding had passed. Haggai asked the priest about how defilement is contagious. That's what he's talking about. Defilement is contagious. It's like, a, it's like a disease. You can just catch it. You can't catch cure, but you can catch sick. You see that defilement gets around very quickly, easy. Cleanliness does not spread around. Uh, guys, you know, it, don't you wish cleanliness spread around? <laughs> wouldn't that make cleaning house a whole lot easier? Well, you know, when we get done, we wouldn't have to clean nothing up. We just take something clean and just throw it down on the floor. Oh, it touched the room. The whole room's clean. It doesn't work like that. Cleanliness does not spread around. You can't make something clean simply by touching it with something that's clean. If something dirty simply touches something, then it becomes dirty. The priests agreed that defilement is easily spread. Defilement gets around quickly just by touching. So Haggai 2 and 14, then Haggai answered and said, So is this people, and so is this nation before me, says the Lord, and so is every work of their hands, and what they offer there is unclean. Guys, they were concerned. Well, gosh, our our temple's not turning out as good as Solomon's was. Oh, no, what do we do? It's not looking so wonderful. And the Lord brought about this defilement thing here because he wanted his house to be built clean. Build my temple clean. If you're coming in defiled, oh, it's not as great as something else, then you're going to defile your work. The people were defiled, therefore they were corrupting the temple rebuild. 
Now remember, they were comparing who's better. It's the same attitude they had in chapter one when they were paneling their houses. We got to have the better house. I want a better house than you. That's corruption. That's defilement. They had brought their selfish defilement into their temple work. They were building with unclean hands and the Lord wanted them to clean this up. Stop doing it this way. Don't build the temple like this. And friends, that applies today. We don't build the house of God like this. I could very easily look at the church that's right next door and see how big it is, how many more people they've got and go, oh Lord, how come I don't have a church as big as Heights Baptist Church? Am I doing something wrong, God, to still have this little church? That is defilement and it is not going to build any of you cleanly. The Lord doesn't want us to do that. We got a little church. They got a big church. So what? I probably have a bigger nose than the pastor. I don't know. Doesn't mean anything. But it becomes defilement. It becomes a coveting, sinful problem. Haggai 2 and 15. And now carefully consider from this day forward. In other words, he's saying, I'm drawing a line in the sand. You've got a chance to make a decision right now to get things right. Carefully consider from this day forward, from before the stone was laid upon stone in the temple of the Lord, since those days, when one came to a heap of 20 ephahs, there were but 10. When one came to the wine vat to draw out 50 baths from the press, there were but 20. I struck you with blight and mildew and hail in all the labors of your hands, yet you did not turn to me, says the Lord. Okay, the Lord had Haggai calling everybody to remember the economic failures they had in chapter one. Remember, they were sinning, they were getting off in what they were doing, and they were having economic failure because of it. Things were failing. And so this is the third time now of what's going to be five times that they were challenged to carefully, carefully consider what disobedience does when the consequences start to roll in. I always say, you get to choose your own sins, but you never get to choose the consequences that come in behind it. He's saying, I want you to look at the the economic failure that's just starting to come in again because they were starting to fail. They were coming into the temple, building it with dirty hands. Oh, it's not as great as Solomon's was. And so now the economic failure is starting to happen again. He, it says their harvest production was starting to fall. Grain decreased by 50%. It says they went from 20 measures to 10. Their grape and their wine harvest fell about 60%. It says they went from 50 baths to 20 baths. Now, you remember in chapter 1, Haggai 1, the Lord said that because of their disobedience, he blew all their progress away. What he's saying is, guys, you're starting to lose your work again. Do you see how everything's starting to decline? He goes, from this day forward, you need to consider your ways because if you don't turn now, you're going to have nothing. He's trying to get the people to not only build his house, but build it right. And he says, look, because of disobedience, you're defiling the temple. And again, you're now showing signs of failure already again. I struck you with blight and mildew and hail and all the labor of your hands. Yet you did not turn to me, says the Lord. Haggai 2 and 18. Consider now from this day forward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Consider it. Is the seed still in the barn? As yet the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have not yielded fruit. But from this day, I will bless you.
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life.